0: Hello and welcome to episode 111 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand marketing consultant, and I show service-based businesses how to define and grow their business through their brand. Today, I am joined by Kelly Cookson, email copywriter and educator at her business, Cheer Up Marketing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly.
1: Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this because, you know, I love to chat about email marketing and business development and all things entrepreneurship. So yes, I've been looking forward to it.
0: Amazing. And today, listeners, Kelly and I are going to be talking about email marketing. If you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that I'm passionate about business owners having marketing strategy that expands beyond just social media. And email is a fantastic option. So we're going to explore a little bit more around that today, grab all of the tips and tricks and advice that we can from Kelly, and just generally bring the conversation around to how you can get started with email or improve your email if it's something that you're already using. So Kelly, I to start these episodes by taking it back to basics so that everyone is starting from the same space. So what do we mean when we say email marketing and in particular the term building a
1: list? Cool good question and the beginning is a very good place to start. So (laughs) email marketing I think what it is not is sending a bulk email from your Gmail or your Outlook or your Yahoo mail or whatever you're using to a bunch of people that you might have collected email addresses for like sending it BCC or blind carbon copy and you know, just sort of sending an email out there. That's not email marketing. Some people think it might be, but it's a really bad way to do email. So what we're talking about with email marketing is spreading the word about your business and your brand and crucially inviting people to work with you. Never forget that step. But we are using it in a structured way, perhaps where you're using an email service provider. So a tool like MailerLite or MailChimp, ConvertKit, Flowdesk, there's hundreds of them. And you're actually using it to communicate with your ideal clients, make sure they understand um, what you're all about, what you have to offer and how you can deliver the transformation that they want to need. So just like the rest of your content marketing strategy, email is just another vehicle to deliver that message and help your audience resonate with you. Um, But like I said, we're not just doing it by sending out a random email from Gmail or something like that. You need to be using a proper tool to do your email marketing correctly.
0: Absolutely. So when it comes to email marketing, like how do you view it as opposed to or in connection with social media? Do you feel like it complements it? Should it be used instead of it? Kind of where's your positioning around that?
1: You know, it really depends what you want to do and how much you love or hate social media. So I do talk a lot about email versus social, just because I think there's a natural comparison there to make. And there are pros and cons for both channels. But that doesn't mean that I I dislike social media so I dislike how much of my time it takes sometimes and I have become very disciplined recently with deleting my social apps off my phone on a weekend but actually um, I do really really enjoy Instagram and Facebook to some extent so I like to use my email marketing and my social channels kind of working together in harmony so I want all of my followers on social to be on my email list and if people are joining my email list but they're not following me on social I also want to drive them back to those channels so that they can see me in videos and lives and chatting and all of that stuff. So for me, the two work together. However, I do work with quite a few people on my group program who don't really want to be on social media. And they find that it really um, sets off kind of negative feelings like stress, anxiety, all that comparisonitis that we suffer from as entrepreneurs. So their motivation for using email marketing marketing is to really step away from social. So they might be using more of a strategy around blogs and SEO and driving traffic to their website organically or through paid ads, Google ads, or maybe Facebook ads. If you can run those without spending too much time on there and then actually getting people onto their email list so they can reach them that way instead of grinding it out on social and stories and being there every day. So it depends what floats your boat. Um, You don't have to do either or, you can do both together or email can be a brilliant way to lean away from social media a bit if that's what you'd like to do.
0: Perfect and just to clarify just in case there are any people that are out there that are feeling a little bit confused when we say email list what do you mean?
1: I mean a list of names and email addresses that you have collected in your email service provider so they're not scribbled down on your desk pad or in your gmail contacts. You have collected these addresses through a form on your website or a landing page within your email service provider if you don't have a website yet don't let that hold you back and these people have consented to hear from you on email. So when they give you your email, their email address, they understand that you are going to be sending them marketing emails. Um, Yeah, and they've opted in.
0: Brilliant. And we've talked a little bit around kind of the optional benefits of focusing on email versus social. But can we just talk a little bit around the benefits of email marketing? I know from my experience, I've had a higher conversion rate in sales from say a couple of emails as opposed to doing a whole social campaign. And I have found it much more enjoyable. Personally, it's a, I love to ramble. That's why I have a podcast. (laughs) Email marketing suits me down to the ground. I will talk a little bit with you about challenges in a bit. But when I do find that I'm using email, I find it easier. And I do find that my audience responds to it quite well. So what would you say would be the core benefits that has inspired you to kind of champion email as a form of marketing?
1: It's the reach, Tammy. So it's really great that you've had some success with your emails and you've managed to um, get some results that way. That's brilliant. And like we need to see spreading the word about what possible with email marketing because everyone's so like transfixed with reels or tiktok or whatever yes so i think with email it is the reach so i had a look at the stats recently for social versus email in terms of how much of your um, following on social versus the people on your email list get to actually see your content now with social we all know about the dreaded algorithm and um, you know if nobody sees your post ah it's the algorithm like we're all cursing the algorithm daily but realistically yes the algorithm is an issue you know it genuinely is and the latest stats that I found on um, looking at Instagram and Facebook reach so Sorry if I'm ignoring everybody that loves LinkedIn, but I'm not really active on there. So I don't know that much about it as a platform. And neither, I'm not on TikTok either. But for Instagram and Facebook, it seems that around maybe 6% of your Instagram following will see your stories and around I think it was 5.1% of people in your Facebook audience will see a post in their newsfeed. That is a tiny, tiny percentage. Now, I've got about sort of two and a half thousand people follow me on Instagram, which is not massive, but they're quite an engaged audience. And I do strip out the bots and that kind of thing. And I am absolutely chuffed if I get 200 people view my stories. Like that is a stellar day for me. And I'm like, wow, look at all these eyeballs. Flip it over to email. So, you know, if you can get a decent open rate, when you start email marketing and your list is relatively small, you'll find. That your open rates are actually um, higher than when your list grows to sort of 1,000, 5,000 plus. But you can expect maybe 40 to 50% in those early days of people to open your email. So when you're comparing the eyes on your content in an inbox versus the number of eyes on your content on Instagram stories or Facebook, going to sort of 5 6% of that audience reach to 40 to 50%, or even 20% if you've got a, a bigger list and your open rate will naturally be lower. We all know the math there, that, that's a brilliant conversation version rate or a brilliant um kind of reach for your for the size of the audience so like you tammy when i send an email out i get more engagement because more people are seeing that content so i get more replies i can drive traffic back to my socials or over to my website or invite people to work with me and book a call um so absolutely email marketing is the core piece of my marketing strategy there is no way I would be leaning just on reaching five to six percent of my audience to sell my stuff and actually grow this business like that would stress me out (laughs) I need to know I've got that list there to say hey guys I've got some space do you want to work with me like that is the main way that I invite people to come and work with you at marketing amazing and one of the things that I am
0: going to touch on because whilst we're recording this episode this week we did have an outage on Facebook and Instagram we did I missed it completely well it was in our evening wasn't it <laughs> I saw my friend on um one of her stories going how are we all feeling this morning and I was like are you okay what happened and she was like Instagram and Facebook went down and I was like oh
1: I barely noticed as well that's so funny <laughs> but
0: it isn't an
1: uncommon it's
0: not a frequent thing but it does happen and there's always this kind of fear-mongering around if these platforms were shut down which to be honest could happen with anything including the internet but let's try not to go to the complete <laughs> Armageddon apocalypse. <laughs> let's just go to a mile yeah we'll go for apocalypse rather than armageddon so if the social channels do have that blip I guess one of the benefits of email marketing is that you still have a way of getting in contact with your audience and with your with your customers and potential customers and everything like that
1: yeah exactly so like you Tammy I didn't really notice the social media outage because again I was being quite disciplined with my phone and it happened at evening time here in the UK so I did go on Instagram notice it wouldn't refresh and I thought, oh, maybe it's just my internet or something's gone a bit wonky. And it was only actually when I got emails coming in that saying, oh, Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp are down. This is why you need an email list. And so i got all of those emails and I was like, oh, right, that's happened, has it? Uh, and then I went on with my merry business and I had my dinner and went to bed or whatever. But yeah, exactly that. So it didn't affect me much at all, really, because it was evening time and I like to get away from social then anyway. But I do know that if I were perhaps running a masterclass that evening or doing some Kind of online training or launching something, or if I was on the other side of the pond, so America had it worse, didn't they? Or, you know, Australia, wherever, because the time zone. So if it's your whole day without any social and you're really in kind of promotions mode or you've got something big happening in your business, then it would be very challenging to have that whole time where you couldn't reach your audience. Unless you have that email list to say, by the way, everybody, don't forget that I am running this training later today or this is happening or I've got this this big thing that I'm launching, you know. So throughout that time, email was the way to get in touch with people. And um, I thought about sending out an email going, this is why you need email marketing. But I figured <laughs> everybody on my email list is subscribed because they want to know about email marketing. So I'm sure they all get it. So I just thought, ah, I'm just going to carry on and watch TV and go to bed.
0: Yeah, fair. <laughs> Too late to do something. <laughs> fair enough. I think that, yeah, I think that. Using the two together, it's like any form of marketing, isn't it? It, I would never recommend putting all of your eggs into one basket. Don't put all your chickens into one basket because you're limiting yourself as well. But equally, we need to make sure that we're balancing that overwhelm. So having something which is quite short, sharp and sweet and very visual like social media can be and complementing that with having something where you can go a bit more in depth, more infrequently, because social media is like, oh, every day, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Whereas with email, and I'd love to get your thoughts around frequency for email, it isn't something that you have to do every single day there, you can have that strategy and you can also pre-write them, which I feel has more, I don't know, pre-writing my socials always feels a bit weird, but I never have a problem with pre-writing my emails. And I don't know whether that's just me or something that you find with your clients as well.
1: Yeah, the the interesting thing you mentioned there, Tammy, just to go back to the depth thing as well. So I I interviewed somebody on my Instagram, (laughs) ironically enough, the other day about email marketing. And she said that she feels she can go into much more detail and be more kind of personal. Um, She actually works in women's health so it's quite an intimate subject but she feels that email is a really good place to do that and have those kind of intimate conversations with her ideal clients because it's not happening on social which feels like a very um like open space and i also write in a lot more um depth and use more words in my email marketing than i would on social media just because i have tested the format and i found that for me a kind of around the six seven hundred word mark works really well on my emails um whereas that would be too long for an instagram caption or a facebook post um probably so you can go into more depth but there's also this feeling of it being a little bit more intimate i think because although email is a a one-to-many communication so you're sending one email out and it's going to all of your subscribers it actually doesn't feel one-to-many on the other end for the recipient because as far as they're concerned it's just you sending that email to them like they probably know it's more than just them but you can word it and write to them as if they are just one person and then when they reply you know the conversation is just happening between you two in that inbox so i really like that for um kind of a way to build that nice nurturing relationship with my subscribers and a genuine connection so I just wanted to touch on that and what was the second thing you mentioned it was fre-
0: uh, the frequency yeah how often that you can or should I don't like the word "shit," but how often is optimal mate right. to um mm-hmm. to kind of get in touch with your email list and I know it will vary depending on whether you're using it for a campaign or for a particular product but let's just say it's kind of a day-to-day marketing strategy do you have recommendations on how frequently we should be emailing our list
1: I most definitely do awesome. so <laughs> one of the big blocks to do an email marketing and if you listen to this and you've not really done it yet or you're thinking of starting I know what you're thinking oh it's time it's another thing that I've got to do it's going to take me too much time uh I and I often here with newbies I just want to do one email a month I can just do one email a month that's fine and uh, this might be a bit controversial but that's that's not good enough I think it's not enough it's not enough emails so if you think about it obviously one email a month is only 12 emails a year so think about that reach five percent on social versus whatever you know 20 30 40 percent of people going to see the content why would you only want to have 12 opportunities in a year to get that much of your audience looking at your stuff and besides that Other people emailing much more frequently. So in between your email landing once a month, there are hundreds probably of other emails vying for attention. So to help people actually remember who you are and that they subscribe to your list, I recommend kind of my gold standard would be to email once a week. I actually prefer twice a week. So when I first started my business, I did once a week because... You know, you're wearing all the hats in the beginning and it felt like a lot to do, even though I knew the value of email marketing. I was committed. I was like, once I start, it's going to be once a week come hell or high water, I'm sending that email and I did stick to it. And now that I'm more into the swing of things, you know, I'm like 18, 19 months into my business. I generally do about twice a week because I find that that works better. I get more responses. I get more clicks. The more emails I send, the more people are seeing my content and the more traffic I'm driving back to my website or my offers. So, you know, think about it that way. Why wouldn't you want to communicate with this group of people who've opted in to hear from you as much as you can in terms Terms of your ability to de- deliver that content and their appetite to receive it um so I'd say once a week if you can to start with bare minimum once every other week but don't take that as a free p- pass from me to say that once every other week is okay like I would say once a week is what you should be going for
0: okay cool so for the listeners who are out there who are like my goodness cows like how <laughs> how am I gonna not even how am I going to fund the time? What am I going to talk about?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you recommend? Would you say that, so the way that my brain is thinking, and I'd love to hear your a little nervous, love to hear your reflections on this, would be to send maybe one chunkier email out and maybe one that's a bit more of like a quick tip. Would that be a format that could work? Or do you think that they should all be around the consistency, like a similar, um, a similar length, a similar depth? for each individual email?
1: Great question. The annoying answer is you're going to have to test it to see what works with your audience, right? But also, fundamental to being successful at email marketing is this, you want to be consistent with it because you need to be that familiar name that's dropping into the inbox. And also, from a boring technical point of view, if you're very sporadic with your sends, so if you have maybe two or three months where you've not sent anything, then all of a sudden you go, oh, I remember what Kelly said, I need to send once a week, and then you up the ante and you send, that can trigger off certain um red flags maybe, and you might go into spam or or at least the promotions folder. So consistency is your friend in terms of getting your email into the inbox and also gaining that recognition with your subscribers. You know, if you're very sporadic with it, people can forget that they signed up to your list and mark you as spam. So that's why I think you need to be so consistent. And to be able to do that, you need to make this as easy for yourself as you possibly can. And also I would argue that if you're posting on social media, say three to four times a week on Instagram, or maybe daily on stories you've got time to write an email like you're going on there every day you can write one email a week but tell me I often hear that people say oh maybe I want to collect kind collate a newsletter like magazine style email where I'll share a podcast that I've done and a video and a blog and I'll do some thoughts on this, a couple of tips or, you know, what's coming up in my business or things to look out for, or things I've read that I like. And it becomes this behemoth of an email. You actually don't need to do that. That could be five separate emails. So I say, if you're feeling stressed about the time, Don't push yourself to create some kind of amazing magazine style newsletter. If you have five pieces of content that you want to put in that one email, make it five emails and just make it really easy. You've got five weeks worth of content then instead of every month thinking, what am I going to put in this month's mega newsletter? Like, don't do it to yourself. It's fine. But also, as I said, you need to test it. So... Maybe if you have got the time to compile something a little bit chunkier, have a little look at what the click rate is on that. There's an argument out there that if you give people too many things to click on, they don't click on anything. I have tested this and I found that when I stick to one clear call to action or one piece of content, I get more clicks than if I give people um, five or six different things to look at. So, but you have to see what works for your audience
0: yeah absolutely that's really interesting my brain is just like whirling and like dissecting every email that I've ever sent because I like in all honesty listeners like I have fallen behind at the moment so I have found it difficult to keep up the consistency partly just because here's my list of excuses 2021 is 2021 partly because I'm running a second business all of these other things where I'm just like email keeps falling down my list even though I've got this passion to do it so if there's anyone who's in a similar situation to me where it's like it's been a while how do you recommend they broach that first email should it be one that acknowledges they haven't been in their inbox for a while because I kind of go in swings and roundabouts with this it's like when someone hops on their stories and goes sorry I haven't been on here for a while it's like you wasted 10 of your seconds
1: (laughs) you didn't notice that they weren't there (laughs)
0: exactly so should you acknowledge it when you're doing your email or should you just go out as if it's been something that you've been doing frequently and just kind of find that rhythm just set that pace
1: yeah I think it depends how long it's been so I would say it's hard to put a time on this but maybe if it's been a month or six weeks I think you can breeze back in without mentioning it you might get a slew of unsubscribes as people go, Tammy who? Like, who's this? I didn't sign up for this. So like delete or whatever. I am actually working with a client at the minute who hasn't emailed since June. So we are, and it's October now. So we are doing a proper re-engagement campaign where the first email is, I'm sorry, I've not emailed you since this last thing I told you about in June. I've been terrible. Um, Accept my apologies. And giving the subscribers an option to opt out because it's been so long, but you know, from this point onwards, I'm going to be emailing you more regularly and I'm going to be talking about X, Y, and Z. So that can often be a good way to kind of re-engage your list. But I think after sort of three, four months of not emailing, you've got to give people an opportunity to just say I'm not interested anymore and click and get them off the list so that's what I would recommend but you know if it's just been a couple of weeks a month like I said maybe it's sort of six weeks I think you can just kind of breeze back in without doing the whole oh I'm sorry I've not been here they probably haven't noticed because they've been getting all those other emails from everybody else in between um but yeah just do what you feel comfortable with though
0: perfect no that's really helpful because I think that that's something that almost trips people up with starting again is like I don't know how to start again and then i don't know how to word it so that's really really helpful to know that there is just fine just find something just do it
1: yeah just breeze back in if it's stressing you out thinking oh well, how do i say or i've not been here for you know a week or two weeks or a month or whatever just just pick up where you left off carry on share something that's really um great like nice Clickable piece of news or you know content that you've created that's done well on social, perhaps share that and just carry on and make a promise to yourself that you're going to email every week and put the time in your diary to do it as well.
0: (laughs) Perfect. So, is it better to email at the same time and same day every week? Like when I say same time, I mean literally the same time because I was like, I'll send an email on Friday, and then I used to find it would be like 9 a.m., 1 p.m., 8 p.m. It's like it depends on where I'm at. So, does time I know that it will probably be measurable, but
1: does time make a difference as well for that consistency? So the honest answer is I'm not 100% sure because it's really hard to test because every email has a different subject line. So you can't say that the email you sent out on 9am last Friday versus the email you sent at 1pm the Friday after was just down to the time in terms of the engagement that it got. It, It could be that less people opened the second one because the subject line wasn't as juicy Or, you know, maybe if the first one had lots of opportunities to click in and the second one was just a story and there wasn't anything to click on, then it's really hard to measure it. But there is definitely um, a bonus to create regular content and send it on a regular day. And the best piece of advice I can give around choosing what day or time that might be is to think about your ideal client and imagine when they would be most likely to receive and open an email from you. Um, So a good example of this is because I have now become a school run mum, I'm not looking at my emails until I get to my desk at sort of quarter past nine in the morning after I've got back from school. So, you know, if you have got a lot of school run mums in your audience, you might want to be sending really early before the the kid gets up and they're doing the whole breakfast, get dressed, get out the door type stuff. So sort of 7am or wait till they get back to their desk. Conversely, you know, weekends aren't a great time for me. I have tested sending things on a Sunday and they don't get as much engagement as if I send it on a Tuesday. So my theory, again, you need to test this for yourself, is I don't tend to send my email on a Monday because you getting back to your desk after the weekend and I feel like my ideal client is as an entrepreneur and they're busy um they're maybe just wading through all their to-dos on a Monday and they're not ready to read a fluffy chatty email from me until Tuesday so that's I like to send an email on a Tuesday and or a Thursday because again I've not found I've had such great engagement with Friday emails um so you need to test it I
0: chose Friday because I was like Friday afternoon people are looking for any excuse to not be focusing
1: on the work that they're yes, doing that's what I thought too interesting yeah and maybe it was my subject lines were it's great on the last few Fridays, but I've done a few sends now and consistently. The opens and the clicks and the number of replies I have get have been a lot lower than my Tuesday email so it's quite interesting. But I have a client who regularly sends on a Sunday night to her audience um, she's a yoga teacher and Pilates instructor and she sends kind of a wellness themed thing on a Sunday like a self-care type message and she says that does really well consistently so she always does her Sunday afternoon send.
0: It's interesting because I can immediately think of some people that I interact with their businesses on various marketing channels but they Advocate doing a Sunday night setup. So if you were to send out like a productivity email or a planning ahead email, that might find that that hits a little better. But yeah, I guess it always comes down to knowing where your audience are. And I guess again, if this is going to be a barrier for anyone out there who's listening, like just start, and then you can always track, measure, and adapt later, can't you?
1: And at the end of the day, well even if the bad emails I send on a Friday that didn't get as much, I still got more views on that email than I did on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah. It was still worth sending. It wasn't flop it was just compared to everything else and you know another tip really is to give it a good 48 hours before you draw any any conclusions from the results of your email because people don't always open them instantly i like to give it 48 hours for it to play out and as many people as possible to open before i start calling it a success or a failure so um but yeah you know even a failure even if only sort of 30 20 percent of my audience opened it still more eyes than instagram isn't it so absolutely
0: absolutely and again it, it's your marketing strategy is Everything is not just one thing. So Mm -hmm. it's how it all works together. I'm really curious, we talked a little bit or you mentioned a few times around having the right subject header. So let's dive into a little bit about the elements of a marketing email, because I feel like there are so many different parts to it that can be personalized, adapted and adjusted depending on who you are as a business Mm -hmm. owner. So, from a fundamental best practices principles side of things, mm-hmm. what are the core elements of an email that we should be paying more attention to in it as a business owner?
1: Great question. So, a good email. First of all, I want you to realise, or you know, if you if you're really not 100% bought into this whole email marketing thing, it's probably because most of the emails that we all get are absolute rubbish. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just because you receive rubbish emails doesn't mean you have to write them. So, the fundamentals of actually doing email marketing well and getting the results that you want from this, which is engagement, replies, clicks, you know, I love this email people writing back is you need to write a good email. And I think that comes down to being able to be yourself in the email and tell a story. So even when I'm selling something, I always, always like to sell it in my own in my own words that sounds a bit silly I'm not selling it in somebody else's but sell it in my own tone of voice but I also like to tell a story or weave in a lesson around it so I think the worst kind of emails that I get anyway I really hate are when people just kind of come out seemingly out of the blue because I've not it their emails before particularly or it feels like they're always just inviting me to get on a call or you know book something or buy this thing I'm like I don't really know you I don't want to book, jump on a call with you like who are you you kind of a stranger or you always ask me to get on a call no thanks so I think the best emails are those where when they land in your inbox you feel like you know that person a little bit because they've shared snippets of their life or you know what kind of journey they're on or they make you laugh or they make you feel um, some kind of emotion that's not just, oh, they're selling to me again. So I would always say a good email is your genuine tone of voice. So don't try and write in some kind of corporate email formal tone like write how you talk write how you would chat on social and tell a story they're the best emails spin a yarn I love that (laughs) and then when it comes to I guess like from my point
0: of view, it's always you have to have that call to action in there. You have to be clear with what it is that you want them to do next. But when it comes to writing subject lines, because again, similar to social media and so many other things that we see nowadays, there's like so many templates that you can download where it's, oh, download my top 100 juicy email subject headers and things like that. But do you have a formula or a format that you would recommend that people use that kind of, I guess it kind of verges on that clickbait, but is encouraging for people to actually open those emails from you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the most annoying thing, so something to not do is the word you just mentioned around clickbait. So whatever subject line you write, it does need to create some kind of curiosity or intrigue. But whatever you're using in the subject line, the email must marry up with that promise. So you can't sort of write something that's completely random um you know say it's an email about bananas and then they open it and it's not it's about cats I don't know like I can't think of a great analogy there but it's got to marry up with the content so the most annoying things I see are when somebody sends me something and I'm like oh what's that about and then the email was nothing to do with the subject line. I think wow feel like unsatisfied now and frustrated or they use sneaky little tactics like re like it was a reply yeah and i always fall for it and you think as a savvy email marketer i'd know better but i don't i click on it and I gosh darn it that's not a reply which is something i never say i don't know why i said gosh darn it gosh darn it that's not um it's not a reply you know they've tricked me so that's awful it makes me feel like delete report a spam get out of my life um okay so that's what not to do but something to test again with your subject lines i find that shorter works better in terms of open rates and actually I should say here because it's what 7th of October today um, I haven't mentioned yet the changes that Apple have made with their iOS 15 rollout so if you're not um, if you don't know about this but basically Apple are changing their privacy around email tracking so anybody receiving an email on Apple Mail anybody receiving it it will appear to your email service provider as if they have opened that email even when they haven't so that means that open rates are basically not really. Really worth much anymore you can kind of ignore them yeah. because so many people use apple mail that your open rates are going to as more and more people download and install ios 15 which i did last week those people receiving on apple mail will look as if they've opened your email so your open rates are going to increase over the coming weeks and months um yeah nobody's 100 sure how widespread this is going to be a problem but <laughs> um most people are saying that it's not really worth tracking your open rates anymore because they're going to be so unreliable yeah so when I'm talking about open rates and subject lines you kind of need to bear that in mind you need to be tracking things like clicks and replies instead
0: yeah absolutely and conversions I mean at the end of the day we are all trying to make sure that we are making money that's why we're in business so I guess yeah understanding the engagement aspects I guess it's similar to the vanity metrics on social media isn't it you can track your likes and your follows and everything like that and your views but actually it's where they go next, it's what they do next. And the same with your email, it's where they go next and what they do next so that you understand kind of how they're journeying from your email through that buyer's journey. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that just seems like a ridiculous thing. Mm, It's very frustrating. Um, But, you know, it's not the end of email marketing. I think people will still be opening your emails, but even the ones that don't open it look like they have, which is going to be annoying from a stats point of view. But as you've just said, Tammy, conversions are massive. But that doesn't mean that the subject line doesn't matter. So to create a good subject line, and again, you need to test this, but I find that short works better. Um, So definitely keep it under 60 characters would be my advice. That's including spaces. And that's because on mobile, the preview that you get when it pops up on your phone, you know, the screen is narrower, there's less space. So what you definitely don't want to do is have the juicy bit of your subject line right at the end or on a really long subject line because it's going to be truncated and chopped off. So 60 characters or less. Some, i've play, played around with one word email subject lines and they've worked really well but i think um what you need to bear in mind is this idea of maybe creating a pattern disrupt so if you're always sending one word subject lines people kind of get used to it and they don't you know perhaps react in the same way by opening it as they might have done so maybe you need to mix it up a little bit and i like to test using emoji i know some people love or hate emoji but occasionally i'll pop one in there and just make it stand out in the inbox a little bit you can play around with caps maybe maybe don't do all caps because no one likes to be shouted at in a virtual sense but you know some of the words but if you think about the storytelling element of what makes the good email if you can start to create some kind of intrigue with the subject line so um just one off top of my head I can't believe this happened to me something like that it's a little bit clickbait but I can't believe this happened to me what happened to Kelly you know I want to open the email um so if you can kind of create that sense of intrigue then that does help you know to get the email opened
0: awesome no that's fantastic and then when it comes to the main subject you talked about gonna try and quote, and my brain is slightly mush. <laughs> I think you said around like 700 words earlier. Is there a, like a good average word count? Because I seem to get emails that are like, "Hey Tammy, don't forget you need to do this," and then a button, and then that's it. And I'm like, there was no love in that email. Yeah. I just feel like it's just really spammy. And then I get other emails where they're massively long, and I'm just like, I I just please get to the point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it depends what mood people are in. So like you, Tammy, sometimes a short one does the job if I've been warmed up properly first otherwise no just book a call no thanks don't know you um and sometimes you know there are long emails that I get that I actively save so that I can come back with a cup of tea and read it or the really good copywriters will draw me in from the first sentence so another top tip on the storytelling is not to give away the climax of the story in the first sentence because people read it they get what had happened to you you know if your subject line was can't believe this happened to me uh you know I got jumped on by a dog or something <laughs> uh, if you say that in the first sentence they found that. what happened and then they skip off so you know try and weave a bit of a story before you get there Um, so good email copywriters will do that but I think uh, what was the question again (laughs) I've gone (laughs) sidetracked just kind of whether there was like a a
0: good average word count to kind of aim for
1: again annoying answer you need to test it for yourself Um, but I have found a sweet spot for me to be around sort of five to seven hundred words But again, thinking about pattern disrupting in the subject line, you should do that with your content too. So if you're always writing a longer sort of storytelling email, then definitely throw one in there that's a little bit shorter and just see how people respond. And remember that not everybody's the same in terms of what they like to read and engage with. So if um, you like to read really long emails or others like to just get to the point, depends what kind of personality you've got really or time. So you need to mix it up to kind of suit everybody that's on your list. So try some longer ones, try some shorter ones. And um, definitely in terms, we haven't talked about launching yet or promotions, but when I'm doing a campaign that's a sales campaign that I'm really doing a push over kind of a week or two, if I'm sending an email daily during that period, then I'll make sure that to cover off everybody's reading preferences, I'll do some short emails, some longer ones. So um, yeah, you've got to test it.
0: Yeah, and with with the more standardized emails, so the ones that you're sending out regularly that maybe have like advice and tips that aren't part of those campaigns, which we'll talk about in a moment um I've seen a few people that repurpose those and just kind of take that email and then pop it onto their website as like a blog post mm-hmm. is that something that you feel is a good idea do you feel that it needs to be tailored to then become a blog post can it just be repurposed exactly as it is Or does that kind of disrupt some of the trust that you're building with your email list? Because why would they sign up if they can already access that information?
1: Yeah, good question. So I am not a blogging expert, but I actually do have on my to-do list is to get some of my longer emails repurposed as blogs but I don't think you can just copy paste over because the way that I write an email is very different to a blog, which will need some kind of SEO engineering to it. So you're going to need to put in like subtitles and all that kind of stuff. But again, I'm not a blogging expert, but I do understand that the format that my emails are in, it would read a little bit weird as a blog so I maybe need to top and tail it and pop a conclusion on there or really or repeat the lesson that was in there so that it works as a longer form blog content um, in terms of people you know getting it on email versus getting in a, in a blog I think whatever I do email is always my primary channel so the stuff that I write on email that's exclusive that goes out to my email list first and if I'm inviting people to work with me or any kind of promotion that's always on email but I absolutely rep- repurpose that content for social so I actually work with a copywriter now who does my Instagram captions because I've got some budget to outsource that, thank goodness. So she will take what I've written, and usually an email breaks down into at least two, maybe three Instagram captions, which she will rework it. Because again, the way that I write emails wouldn't translate necessarily well to an Instagram caption, just straight copy pasted. You know, again, talking about making your life easier. And if you're an entrepreneur, like a solopreneur, whatever, you, your time is precious. So you need to be as efficient as possible. And if you've created something that's a really great email, and you've got lots of responses and you know or conversions or whatever going on absolutely put that out on your socials as well and maybe repurpose into a blog but you just need to look at the formatting to make sure that it works wherever you're putting it awesome
0: so let's talk a little bit around campaigns launching and sequences could you start by explaining what an email sequence is just to make sure that everyone's on the same page and then kind of how we plan an email sequence as opposed to planning like a business as usual email
1: yes so i love a sequence. Um, And the thing I love about it is you can automate it. So whenever I'm doing a launch, if I can, if I can put the time aside before, then I will plan my launch emails and I will schedule them to go out. I actually tested something a bit different this time. So the last live launch that I did for my group program, which was, was it sort of June, July time? I knew what I was going to write and the messages I was going to cover in the launch emails, but I live wrote them. So I put time aside every day to write the email for the next day, which felt very rebellious and like flying by the seat of my pants. So because I knew the core message and the journey I was taking my subscribers on I actually pulled from stuff that was happening as the launch was going along and lessons and slices of life from you know real time and use that to write the email you know if you're very busy that can be quite stressful so the beauty of an email sequence is if you have something coming up and we've just used a live launch as an example so if you're not sure how that might work but perhaps with me I have a group program so when I open the doors to that I have two weeks of really hyping people up in my audience and pushing it to them on email and on socials. But similarly, if you're having a drive for maybe a one-to-one service, or if you're a product business and you've got something new that's coming out, or you've got a sale on or something, then you can build a sequence of automated emails. So schedule them to go out at certain days and times within your email provider to promote that service for you. But the crucial thing about these sequences is you have to think about the journey you're taking your ideal client on and that prospect as somebody who's a marketing lead. So you need to think about where they are in the buyer's journey so how much do they know about you already absolutely would not recommend launching heavily to a cold list so if you've been doing your weekly emails like i recommend you know people know you they're they're regular Understanding your name is dropping in their inbox, they know what you do, they like you, they've stayed on your list. And uh, then when it comes to sell, you can ramp up that frequency and start to educate them on the transformation that you could provide through this service or this product or whatever you have. So that's the idea of a sequence. And every one of those emails should be the call to action is to buy the thing or however you're selling. So with me, I'd normally book a call with somebody if it's a higher investment like my program and say, have a call with me. like That's the call to action on every single one of those emails. So they're under no illusion what I'm trying to do. Like I have got this thing. This is why it's great. This is why it'll work for you. Come and talk to me about it. So yeah, proper sales mode. If you can automate all of that, then you can spend the rest of the time chatting on Instagram stories or doing Facebook lives or whatever you do on LinkedIn or TikTok to kind of supplement the launch as well and reach more people that way. Brilliant.
0: So when it comes to email sequences, there are a few that I'm aware of. (laughs) I'm not going to say that I use, that I'm aware of. There are things like supporting a launch, supporting a new product, oh, and a welcome sequence as well. So when someone signs up and hands over their email address to be, willingly, to be part of your email list, you can set up a welcome sequence. And generally speaking, the way that I see that is it's more about a getting to know you and getting to know what you talk about and kind of establishing expertise before you move through to what you
1: offer. Would you say that that's kind of, that's sort of the journey for a welcome sequence? Um, that's definitely part of it and I think for a welcome sequence it depends where they've come into your list from so if they've just signed up straight from a form on your website where you've promoted your your newsletter um, then yeah definitely welcome them in and let them know what you're about and um, kind of get them to feel like you empathize with their problem or their desire a little bit like I'm like you I've been there or I I do this my clients I understand that kind of thing the slight difference on that might be if you have something called a lead magnet or an opt-in freebie so so this um, is like some free information packaged up that's of, of value to your ideal clients it's got to be really specific to their needs and they would receive that information that guide that freebie that template that video training whatever it is in exchange for their email address so for that I like to take them on a journey that's more related specific to the value or the free advice they've signed up to receive so the first email delivers that lead magnet that freebie encourages them to use it and explain how it's going to help them and then takes them on a little journey of getting to know me better and um, understanding that I empathize with their problem and that I can help them. And then actually what I also like to do with these kind of welcome sequences for for new people is. Funnily enough, I push them to either my Instagram or my Facebook group because, as I said at the beginning, I like Instagram and socials to work in harmony with email. And I'm not doing live video in email. You know, sometimes I'll pop a picture in there or a little gif or something. But I like people to come and listen to me, chat and watch me on socials as well as reading the written words. So I'll funnel people that way as well. Perfect. And
0: that brings us on seamlessly to the next point that I wanted to talk to you about as well, which is something that I've noticed more and more, particularly since launching the podcasting business and seeing that there are different ways that we can use email marketing and different formats. Where do you stand or what are your best tips on alternatives to just written email? So I've seen a bigger increase in audio snippets being sent out, videos being sent out in emails, lots of GIFs, which, hey, I love. So when it comes to um, alternative formatting within your emails, do you have any thoughts or processes around that?
1: Yeah, so I think whatever you can do in your email to show your happy smiley face is going to be a good thing. So I'm very much a fan of plain email so I don't have any kind of fancy branding or design it's literally just words so I don't have a banner I don't have a footer none of that that can get kind of um, filtered out and then you get that nasty red cross appearance of your image or um, you know too many images taking time to load the email and people bounce off so I like to keep it plain but then periodically I will put in either a selfie or um, a tool I really really like for embedding video is something called BombBomb, bomb bomb B-O-M-B. And there's also Bonjoro, which I know is a very similar tool, but I've used that to send little videos, personalized videos during a launch. So people that I know who have been looking at all of my stuff and who I think would be a great fit to work with me, I've sent them little videos like, hey, Tammy, um, I'd really love to chat to you about this. It does feel a bit stalkerish, but in a way, because I'm like, I always frame it as, you know, I'm an email marketer. So I've seen you've been opening my emails. Like, do you want to chat kind of thing? Like, a bit cheeky with it. That's worked really well and has converted people to, to invest in working with me. So because it's my happy, smiley face and I'm like waving. So the thing that Bonbon does is lets you record a really short video and then you embed a GIF of that video in your email. So it's not the email doesn't go in. Sorry, the video doesn't go in the email. It's just a little like wavy GIF. You can do something silly like jazz hands. I'm doing jazz hands. You can't see me, but I'm doing jazz hands now. Or, you know, like pop into frame or like, you know, wave, something like that and um, to catch their attention. And when they click on it, it opens in a new browser window and the little video plays for them. So I really like that as a way of blending me chatting away, you know, and seeing my smiley face and then reading my emails.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot because I've been toying with the idea and something that I'm working with one of my clients on is instead of having just the audiogram, so the audio clip for their podcast on there, podcasting feed on Instagram or whatever else is actually embedding the audio into the email. So people can literally open up the email and listen to their podcast episode or the clip or an exclusive tip right there. And a friend of mine, Eloise Ranson, who runs This Is Eloise, she sends out a website tip, which is a YouTube video. So every week you can get like a little video clip that goes through to a a private unlisted YouTube video where you get a tip that's only specific on her YouTube channel. And I just love the fact that email marketing is email marketing which is traditionally a text-based way of communication is now embracing this new way where you can embed audio and you can embed video and that can help as well so yeah I guess again it's just understanding what you're comfortable with doing where your audience are and how they like to receive information but like you said also disrupting that feed and trying something new
1: yeah exactly so I always will try and put my face in something periodically I think because not everyone follows me on social so I've got people on my my email list that maybe don't see my face a lot and you know like it or not we are personal brands you know people work with me directly one to one so people buy from people it's that old marketing saying but it's true yeah. <laughs> um and i think especially with the work i do like copywriting and the group program is if you suddenly listen to me or watch me like in terms of how I talk about email or teach, you don't like my vibe, you're not going to enjoy my program. So you need to see me in action before you work with me, really. So having that linking out to some kind of video content or, um, you know, I'll share podcasts that I've been on, that kind of thing. Other people's content where I've been featured is a great way to get more eyes on me, like my face and my style, um, as well as the written word, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. um. I'd say that was vital to kind of building that no like and trust factor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important, isn't it? And I think that it's really easy to get swept up in, oh, now I've decided to do email marketing. What am I going to write about? When am I sending it? When actually you need to also be thinking about, or what do they want to hear about and how do they want to hear it
1: yeah exactly mix it up so if you can do like writing and video or podcasts I mean the more different mediums the better but the great thing about email is the more foot traffic or eyes you can drive to that content once you've invested the time in creating it so and you can recycle stuff as well you know if you've put something out to your list in the beginning and then maybe you've gained a bunch of subscribers you can absolutely go back repurpose older emails and reshare older content to new people on your list so don't think that it's once you've written something that's that ticked off and then you've got to come up with new topics forever I've definitely gone back and recycled stuff from a year ago now that worked really well I thought right well all these people that have joined my list since have never seen this email so I'm going to dust it off and send it again
0: yeah I'm a big fan of repurposing and I think that it's it's helpful to have kind of a balance there's something that I included in every one of my emails that I used to send out I used to put a cat photo and a affirmation that was relevant to my email, and the number of people that would take a. I also used to put in a cheeky call to action, which was like, "If you're enjoying this email, take a photo of it and put it on your Instagram stories and tag me." That worked really well, and I always got a couple more subscribers from it. Usually, what they would take a photo of would tell me what they were looking at. Yeah, and it was the cat photo, and I was just like, "You know what? If my cats are gonna help,
1: <laughs> tell me I'm gonna put my cats in my next email." <laughs> I'm Absolutely, that idea.
0: Just let them type it, <laughs> but it is it is telling by asking people which parts of their of the email they enjoy and by which call to actions they're responding to, you can really see which content is connecting. So I was really surprised that something that I thought was just a bit of fun and quite flippant actually showed that they had not only read the entire email or scroll to the bottom of the entire email but they were also willing to share it because they felt they found value in it so that was really interesting and really telling so be sure to listen to your audience as well to know where where to go and what to do so let's wrap up with a few kind of most like quick fire best practices so I've got a list of a few things that I I find it really irritating or really good and I would love to know how you feel about these because I think that these are going to be questions that maybe are on the listeners minds so how do you know if you're spamming your audience or not because daily emails in a launch sounds great but it can feel spammy to us even if it doesn't feel spammy to them so how can
1: you tell when it's spam <laughs> it's only spam if they didn't opt in <laughs> so that oh perfect <laughs> if they didn't give you your email address if they did not give you their email address with their consent email you to email them then it it's spam but I know what you mean about the spammy feeling so too many emails so I really like to advise that when you invite people to sign up to your list give them an idea of the frequency that you're going to be emailing them so for me um I can't remember what it says on mine but it used to say it's going to be a weekly email now it's sort of twice a week I do know people that email daily very successfully but at the point that you opt into that list you know that they're going to email you every day because if you didn't then it's like a bit of a shock so I think whatever happens. When you decide the frequency, if you are going to be sending a lot of emails, then let people know when they opt in. And that's cool. You know, if people want a daily tip or a quick find or whatever it is you're sending across the value, communicate the value of that at the point that they subscribe and just let them know it's going to be a day every day. Yeah. Every day. Twice a day would be too much. But I signed up to
0: um, Janet Murray's oh, right. amazing emails where she does them every day. And every day I was just baffled at the fact that she wrote those at like seven o'clock in the morning and always had like an interesting story to share. And I was just like, there is literally nothing interesting in my life that I could do a daily email with a story like <laughs>
1: I'm the same Tammy maybe we need to get out there a bit more but I don't think I could write something quite happy at home (laughs) something
0: great every day
1: (laughs) so the next one on my list is unethical
0: tricks so there are there is a sense as with any form of marketing there are kind of unethical practices that are kind of eking through and you've already referred to what I would consider to be one which is the RE where you're trying to trick people into opening your emails So are there any that are easy to stumble into that um, the listeners should be aware of and should maybe just be mindful of?
1: I think when you see these things, so I see people in my inbox using the RE and I I feel a bit like, oh no, they've used the RE. I really like them. And I know why they've done it because it does work. And if you put that on your email, your open rates are going to be higher. Um, So it is tempting, but I think if there's stuff that, people have done to you in email marketing terms that you didn't like then don't do it to other people um just look at it and think does this fit in like with the integrity of my brand you know how does this make me feel do people want to see this email like am i is my subject line relating to the content you know is there the value here Um, remember that when people hand over their email address to you there's a certain level of trust that they're giving because the fear of getting spammed is very real like none of us want to get unsolicited emails or have our email address shared um illegally so when they hand it over to you they are trusting you with that email address so you just need to honor that trust i think and if you don't like something being done to you then don't do that to your own subscribers
0: brilliant advice there um the next one i have is ineffective language so are there any any older terms or any older practices particularly when it comes to subject line i mean we talked about clickbait which kind of bridges the gap between unethical and ineffective language but is there Are there any terms or phrases that you find are really just unhelpful in email marketing?
1: So I think brevity is your friend in email marketing. And there is an amazing tool called the Hemingway app, which I use. Yes. So what that does, it actually does, sometimes it's a bit too aggressive and I will ignore it, but what it does is it flags any sentences with a color-coded system. So red sentences mean they are very hard to read. You do not want very hard to read sentences in your email marketing because you will lose them. And what it also does in terms of language is it weeds out or highlights any terms passive voice so this is um especially when you're trying to sell you might start talking the passive voice because it feels less pushy but what it actually does is it weakens the message in your email so you want to directly invite people to take an action you don't want to kind of pussyfoot it around it like if you have been thinking about working with me then do this that's passive like bean you want to say if you want to work with me click here (laughs) that kind of thing so it does make you kind of switch your thinking a little bit to less pussyfooting around to use a cat word there to more actually being direct with your language so check out the Hemingway app for brevity and weeding out that weaker passive voice perfect my next
0: one wasn't on my list that I sent over to you so surprised it's all right <laughs> because I am I've done this so many times and I hate it how do you approach following up an email after you've sent out your email your carefully crafted email and then realize that you are missing a link <laughs>
1: Would well, you know what Tammy I'm gonna be super small because I've never done that because I test things religiously so always always test your email so I, I say I haven't done that in my business, in chip Marketing, I've got 13 years of marketing experience behind me and I've absolutely done that as a marketing uh, assistant, executive, whatever role that I've had. I've done it well more than once. (laughs) So a decade of doing that when I actually started my own business, I was like, right, I am never making that gut-wrenching mistake again uh, you know it's not actually that bad you can just follow up and say whoops broken link and i actually know some people i've seen them again the, the sleazy sales tactics people that do that on purpose because that second oops email gets more engagement than the first email with the air quotes broken link so yeah again don't do that because it's very annoying and people will see through it but um if you've made a mistake then you know just follow up oops broken link here's the right one silly me um <laughs> you know just reiterate in case they missed the first email what that link is all about out, but test, test it, test it, test it on your mobile, test it on um, your browser, and click all of the links yourself. So when I've done launch campaigns, my long-suffering husband, I make him test my emails. <laughs> I say, or if I'm setting up a new sequence where it triggers off certain events based on what form you filled in, I'll make him fill in the form and then test them all on his phone to make sure that it's okay. But. um yeah test it is my my key advice for that one
0: brilliant and the last one that I'm going to just ask about is tips for staying out of either the spam or the promotions or whatever god knows what folders gmail now have but tips on staying in the inbox as opposed to because I have no idea when someone says oh make sure you add me to your list so that I come into your inbox gmail just seems to ignore that I don't know how it works so do you have any tips on how they can stay in the inbox as opposed to being filtered out
1: yeah it's really hard and at the end of the day gmail is very clever and it knows that you're a marketing email so it will put you in the promotions tab nine times out of ten the best way that i've found to get around that is to ask people to reply to your emails and get if they reply to you the next time you send you're more likely to go straight into their inbox because you've had that back and forth so gmail uh, will filter you into there instead there are all kinds of promises online that i've seen and i get targeted with facebook ads all the time of stay out of the gmail promotions tab add this code you know you've got to have a sales call with the guy before you can get the code so I don't want to do it but um, I don't so I don't know if there's a magical answer but what I have found is to make my emails feel less like a marketing email which I think also helps in terms of engagement is to strip out all the fluff so again sorry if you really like design but fancy banners fancy footers fancy font styling loads of images no I don't do any of that I just write because you wouldn't get an email from your mum or your sister or your friend that's got a banner on it so it it screams marketing email stick it in the promos tab so the best advice I can give is to write um plain text so it is html but just words and maybe drag and drop an image in there like that we've talked about.
0: Interesting. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Sorry,
1: design lovers. But also to make it easy on yourself, it takes me, um, the writing probably takes me about 45 minutes to write a good email, less than 10 minutes to put that into my email service provider, stick my links in, test it and get it sent. I don't want it to be taking hours dragging banners around and designing things. I ain't got time for that. I just want to get the email sent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think yeah it's given me food for thought because there are so many different like my emails always had a few images they had a few links I think that this conversation has definitely helped me realize how I can tighten up my email and also split it out into two so anyone who's on the list for the newsletter and like might be something coming out soon hopefully she said it on the podcast yes now. make it, has- it
1: happen I'll be watching and I subscribe <laughs> to your newsletter too <laughs>
0: Perfect. So I think that we've covered an awful lot there. I can probably hear pencils and pens scribbling away everywhere, taking the notes from all of your wonderful advice. So let's wrap up the episode with one last piece from you. So, from everything that we've discussed today, and I know it's a big question to ask, but What would be your key piece of advice when it comes to the listeners implementing email marketing that they can take action on?
1: So it's around list building and it's that point where you're asking people to subscribe to your list. Remember what I said, it takes a lot of trust to hand over an email address. At that point that you're asking them to opt in, explain the value of doing so. The worst call to action I see is just sign up for my weekly newsletter. And I think, well, no thanks, because I don't want weekly news. I just want, you know, <laughs> I want something much more exciting than that. So at the point where you're asking people to opt in, think about the so what factor for your ideal client. And you don't have to make this anything fancy. I think mine just says, you know, subscribe to the Cheerlist. It's got a cool name. And, you know, I'm going to send you a weekly email with email marketing tips and advice some behind the scenes in my business and you'll be the first to hear about any kind of new promotions or launches and things that I've got going on. So that's the why. That's the why they need to bother giving me their email address. If I just put sign up to my weekly emails, I would have had a lot lower conversion rate. So think about your ideal client, what they want to hear. And this will also help you tighten up your messaging in your emails as well, because you need to deliver on that promise. You're not just sending out wishy-washy filler content just because you need to send an email every Friday. So, you know, you need to think about what people want to hear from you about and let them know that's what you're going to be sending them.
0: Brilliant. And I think that helps for, it helps for everyone involved, doesn't it? Because then, like you said, you're then clear on why you're building your email list and the content that you're providing and they know what to expect.
1: Exactly. Win-win. Fantastic.
0: Brilliant. Awesome, Kelly. Thank you so, so much for your time today. I'm so grateful for all of the advice and tips that you've shared. So where can the listeners find more of you
1: online? Well, Tammy, they can find me in my emails, of course. So you too can subscribe to the Cheerlist to get my email marketing tips and advice and see behind the scenes in my business at my website. If you go to cheerupmarketing.com, there are plenty of calls to action to subscribe to the cheer list. It's in the footer on every page. So you can pop the email details in there. I also have a free subject line guide, um, which talks about more tips about how to create compelling subject lines. So you can download that too, and that will pop you onto my email list. But as I said, I'm also on Instagram. So I do like a bit of the gram, even though, you know, I also like time off it. So if you find me at cheerupmarketing, I'm over there, come say hi and I also run a free Facebook group called From Spam to Wham, email marketing community. So there's over 900 business owners in there all chatting about email marketing. I do um, occasional lives and share advice in there too. So you can find that on Facebook or I'm sure Tammy will link to it somewhere. You can grab the link. (laughs) I will
0: indeed. Yes, I will pop all of the links in the show notes below. So if you want to go and grab that guide, if you want to sign up to Kelly's emails, everything like that will be in the show notes. I will also pop in the links for the apps that you recommend so the bum bum banjuro and hemingway app hemingway i use and i found it fantastic i am keen being to check out the other two as well um, so all of that will be in the show notes listeners if there's anything in there that you want thanks once again to kelly for an incredibly informative conversation super excited about getting our emails up and running again and listeners be sure to come back on thursday when kelly will be sharing her business journey so far in her brand story episode so until then i would love to to know how you feel about building your email list, whether this has made you rekindle your love for emails and try it again. So come and join the conversation in our community on Instagram. As always, all the links in the show notes, and I will see you in the brand lounge.